So, I am John, as he said. Um, I think his introduction was a little generous, though. I may be a teacher at heart, but I'm not really a speaker at heart, so you'll have to bear with me. Uh, I think as speakers go, I'm about like that $13 Craco that you buy at the automotive department at Walmart, you know? I mean, that's, that's my, my quality. Not even a, a pioneer here and stuff. Um, <clears throat> I did want to take a minute to thank Cameron for giving me this opportunity to speak. Uh, a while back he came to me and said, you know, would you like to teach? And I said, heck yeah, I'd love to. Um, he didn't realize that this is actually one of my lifelong dreams to stand before the entire church and thoroughly embarrass myself. So thanks, Cam. <laughs> I checked that one right off the bucket list, you know. Um, so a lot of you don't know me uh, because I spend a lot of time in kids and stuff like that and not so much here. So I thought I would uh, show you some family pictures and stuff like that, kind of a get-to-know-me thing. Um, so we've got some pictures here that I've brought. This first one here is like the beginning of my adult life. Is it up? You see now, if we did a caption with this, you'd see the boy in the picture. The boy in the picture would be saying, man, I hit the lottery here. And you see the look on her face, it's like, what did I get myself into? You see that? Then this next pic, though, you can see she came around. By the end of it, see, she's pretty happy, and uh, she's picking the bird seed out and stuff like that. So it, she, she warmed up to the idea. Uh, and then I got a picture like my life with my kids, you know, when they were little, acting goofy and stuff like that, you know. Family photo, this is me. And uh, Then this next one is a great one here. I, um, I just wanted to let you know that when this picture was taken, big hair and small shorts were in, okay? So we weren't freaks or nothing like that. That actually was, was styling at the time, you know. Um, jump forward a few years, then you got a picture of Cameron and I and the Boy Scouts when we hiked the Grand Canyon. Um, that was a good time. If you look behind Cameron, uh, that little green spot, that's the Colorado River. That's like 4,000 foot straight down. That was... One of those trips where I'm glad my wife didn't really know what we were doing. I don't think she would have liked that, but that was awesome. 23 miles at 110 degrees. That was pretty cool. Um, then I got a family photo of the, the whole Graper clan um, with my mom, who's recently deceased and stuff, but one of the last pictures we took like that. Um, and the last picture is my current life now. Yeah, that's where I'm at, that's where I'm at right now. That's the, that's the deal there. So... Um, I read this thing about public speaking, and they said that when you talk to people that don't know you, you should try to do something, tell them something about yourself to, so they get to know you. So the thing that I thought of was that people don't know about me is I, um, I group people. It's one of the things that I do. When I talk to Christians or church folk, um, I kind of put them in groups, and that way it helps me to you know, know what to say to them. You know, some people, um, they just need a little encouragement. And other people, they need some biblical knowledge. And some people just need your ear. You know, they just, they just need to vent. And um, so I've done that today with you all. I, I specifically think of you all as being three groups of people. And when I wrote this message, I thought, how is it going to affect each group? So, like, for example... Group one, you're the people who are brand new. You've only been coming to church a few months or a few weeks, or today could be your very first day. And if it is, welcome. 
Be sure to come back next week. There'll be a much better speaker on stage, I promise. <laughs> Group two, you're the people who have been in church for a while. Um, you've made a decision for Jesus, may or may not be serving in church, may or may not be witnessing yet. A lot of what I have to say today is for you. And group three, you're the people who have been in church for a long time. Um, a lot of what I have to say today will be old hat for you. Uh, you've seen it, heard it. But, um, you know, don't just kick back and nod off and go to sleep. Um, over the last 15 years, I've had the opportunity to hear a lot of great messages from a lot of great speakers. Um, got to go to some good conferences and conventions. And invariably there'll be a speaker who will just drop this golden nugget of information. You know, you hear it and you're just like, wow, that'll teach. I have to remember that someday someone's going to need to know that. So group three, I've got some stuff here, hopefully, that you'll be able to take home and uh, use to preach to that hard case at work that you haven't been able to figure out how to reach just yet, you know. So I've titled this lesson Christianity 101. Now that's a pretty broad subject. I probably could do five messages just out of that. Um, I've decided to talk about salvation for both you and the circle of people around you. So when thinking about how can you take something like Christianity and shrink it down to the 101 level, I thought, well, first, let's strip away all the crud that people put on top of it, all the religion. If you strip all that off of Christianity... And then if you start stripping back some of the really good stuff, like the friendly smiles and the handshakes, the warm hugs, strip away the great worship music, the cool lights, even strip away the awesome preaching, what you're left with is two steps. Get yourself saved, save others. In the Bible, Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? And in Matthew 22, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Get yourself saved. Save others. Most of what I have to say today is based off of this greatest commandment. So when I think about talking to someone about salvation, besides the whole Jesus commanded it thing and the whole eternity in heaven and hell, logically I think about what if. You ever think about that little saying, what if? What if is what keeps us safe? What if is what keeps us alive? Like, well, why do you look both ways before you step in the street? Well, what if a car's coming? Why do you wear your seatbelts? What if I get in a horrible accident, right? When you're a kid, uh, why didn't you stick your hand in a cookie jar right before supper? What if mom caught us, right? Um, you ever stop to think, what if our founding fathers weren't Christians? What if the Constitution wasn't written off of biblical principles? Where... What might our country look like, or what other country on earth might we more resemble? What if Abraham Lincoln wasn't a Christian? What if his family hadn't, his parents hadn't raised him in a Christian home or someone hadn't introduced him to God? You know, what might our civil rights history look like or where would we be? What if the guy who first 
invited Billy Graham to a Bible study hadn't. How many millions and millions and millions of people might not have heard the gospel of Jesus for that one what if? A little bit too big picture for you? What if my brother-in-law hadn't invited my wife to church? What if she hadn't accepted Jesus as her Savior and therefore didn't raise our kids in a Christian home? So what if Cameron didn't become a pastor and Acts Church didn't exist? How many of us in this room, how many people throughout the Illinois Valley might be headed straight to hell right now because of that one what if? So, what if you accept Jesus as your Savior? What if you start bringing your family to church or your future family? What if the biblical teaching, the God-centered teaching that your children get and Acts kids plants a seed and is what makes the difference of whether or not they stick a needle in their arm someday? What if the God-centered teaching your daughter gets in Acts students is what makes the difference of whether or not she ends up in the back seat of a Buick on prom night? What if the teaching your son gets right here in this auditorium is what keeps you from getting that phone call at 2 a.m., from the hospital saying he's been in a horrible accident and alcohol was involved. You see, if you think salvation is just about you, it is so much bigger than that. You know, they say every decision you make affects time. It affects the people around you. Sometimes they use the example, it's like throwing a stone in a pond and the ripples go out. When you accept Jesus, it's like a meteor hitting Baker Lake. It has a profound effect on the people around you, especially your family. It is huge. So, to help remind you of this and to talk more about my two steps to Christianity, I felt what we need here is a parable. Now, I know some of my close friends right now are rolling their eyes saying, oh gosh, here goes John telling another story. But to you I say, hey, If parables were good enough for Jesus, they're good enough for me and you. So, here we go. You're in a cruise ship, and for whatever reason, it goes down. Everybody goes over the side into the icy waters of the North Atlantic. All right? You realize you're in trouble, and you look over and you see your salvation. So you swim your butt as fast as you can over to the lifeboat, and you get in. And as soon as you get in the lifeboat, you grab the rope, and you start throwing the lifesaver out and pulling people in. Get yourself saved. Save others. Now, to help you remember this, I thought of something. Now, this is not an episode of Oprah's Favorite Things. However, we do have a gift for everyone here today. If you all reach under your chairs, everyone has got a gift taped to the bottom of their chair. Go ahead, reach underneath there and get it. Everybody's going home with a pack of lifesavers to remind you to throw the lifesaver. Be the lifesaver. Now, if you want some practical application for this, I was thinking maybe you should name each lifesaver. 
So when you take that lifesaver out and you go to enjoy it, you think, this is Nancy. Do I know for sure that Nancy knows Jesus? Because if I don't, maybe I should talk to Nancy about Jesus. Am I, am I satisfied with letting Nancy go to hell? Maybe not. So it's just like a reminder. If you're in the water, you need to get in the boat. And if you're in the boat, you need to throw the lifesaver. So <clears throat> let's talk about throwing the lifesaver. This is what we call evangelizing, to be evangelical. Now you might say, well, John, I never thought of myself as an evangelical Christian. Well, have you ever told anybody about your church? Have you ever mentioned to family or friends about your decision for Jesus? If you have, you're evangelical. Actually, I don't know how you cannot be evangelical. I mean, there's only two steps, right? Get yourself saved, save others. A while back, I was watching the news on Sunday morning before church, and this weekend anchor was on there, and he was talking about religion or Christianity or something. And he said something to the effect of, you know, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not evangelical, but I'm a Christian. And I just thought, he just said that out loud. And I thought to myself, what synonyms could we, re we replace that phrase with, non-evangelical? Um, immature Christian? Selfish Christian? False Christian? Right? I mean, how can you get in the boat and sit there and watch everyone around you drown? I mean, that's just evil, right? And then I thought, well, no, it can't be because God has no place with evil. Light has no place with dark. And then it just dawned on me. See, these are the people that were in peril. They recognized their salvation. They swam over to the boat, but they never got in. See, these people are hanging to the side. They can't reach in and reach the lifesaver. And if there's anything we learned from Titanic is that doesn't work, right? You have to get up out of the water, right? It didn't work for Jack, right? Eventually, you know, uh, hypothermia is going to set in, your heart's going to stop, and you're going to slip away to oblivion, right? If you're in the water, you need to get in the boat. And if you're in the boat, you need to be throwing the lifesaver. Now, <clears throat> There's some stuff we need to talk about here to help you with that, throwing a lifesaver. One of the first things you need to remember is there's a lot of people who won't grab on to the lifesaver when you throw it. There's a, a lot of people are too prideful, and they'll say, no thanks, I can tread water till the rescue ship comes. But we know how well that's going to turn out. <clears throat> the other thing is, is the reason that we don't throw the lifesaver is fear. Now, you might not want to own that, but that's the fact. You're scared. We're scared. We're fearful. We're afraid of the reaction we might get. We're afraid of what they might say to us, what they might say about us. It's scary to talk about someone. It's not scary to talk about someone you love. It's easy to talk about your wife or your husband or your mom or your dad. Perhaps we need to get more in love with Jesus and it'll be easier to talk about him. Maybe more time reading his word or, you know, more time in prayer. 
this may help us. You need to be in love with Jesus. But the, the part about being a scared of talking to people, this isn't that bad if you know who you're talking to. Now, first of all, there are a million different types of people, as I group them out there, but there's a whole ton of people who are really nice, really friendly. They're happy to listen to you talk about your faith, as long as you don't beat them over the head with a Bible, you know. That goes easy, so we don't need to talk about all the easy people. There's a couple groups of people that a little education about will go a long ways. First of all, one of my favorites is the argumentative people. Love these people. Great group of people. These are the people who have, God has given an extremely logical brain and they're just using it. So a conversation with an argumentative person might be something like, Hey, Bill, I just wanted to let you know our church is doing this awesome thing. We're having this picnic in the park. There's going to be free food and entertainment. We're having music, you know. And I was so hoping you could come. I, I think you'll have a great time. Hey, How'd they get all those animals in that boat, anyhow? And why didn't them lions eat them zebras? Tell me that. What's the deal with that? I'm like, well, Bill, I, I don't know about that, but I, oh, I forgot to tell you, we're having a horseshoe tournament, and I know how much you like horseshoes. You're going to have a great time if you come. Hey, how'd that little kid kill that great big giant with a slingshot? That sounds made up. Explain that to me. So, for the argumentative people, your very best tool that you have is, is your testimony, your story. See, they, they can't argue with the truth, with what happened. So, for instance, if you were to say to Bill, Bill, I don't know everything about David and Goliath or, you know, Noah's Ark, but I know this. I was a raging alcoholic, and I found Jesus, or Jesus found me, I got my life back, I got my wife back, my kids respect me, and I've got a job. Boom, mic drop. Just leave the stage, right? <laughs> that, that, because it's, it's the best thing you can do because they can't argue that. It's the truth. That sits well with argumentative people. It's a great group of people. They just, you know, they're logical. <clears throat> For you out there <clears throat> who don't have what you consider to be a killer testimony like that, you know, a lot of times they say when you're laying on your back in the gutter, there's only one way to look, and that's up to God. And that is an awesome testimony, you know, when God pulls you out of pornography or drug addiction or whatever it is. Awesome testimony. But it's a really great testimony when you don't have that. You know, these logical people, they might say, well, sure, you turn to God. It was that or death. But if you can tell them, listen, my life was great. You know, I had a great wife, good job, the house was good, kids were healthy, you know. In the natural, it would appear that you didn't need Jesus. In the spiritual, everybody needs Jesus. But in the natural, it looked like you didn't. This is a great testimony for these logical people. So what I'm getting at is you don't have to have a killer testimony to have a killer testimony. Now, <clears throat> this next group of people is the one that always scared me the most. And these are uh, what I call the angry, passionate people. Great group of people, just very, very passionate. They, very emotional. <clears throat> now, the problem with the angry, passionate people, 
a problem. I shouldn't say there's a problem with them, but the thing is with them is there are a whole lot of issues out there in the world that sort of cross over between politics, religion, and morality. And this group of people knows these issues very well, and they're very passionate about them. And you approaching them from the standpoint of a Christian, they might right away think that you want to lock horns with them because, well, a lot of Christians feel a certain way about certain issues. And they might right away think that, you know, there's going to be a headbutting, and that's where the angry part comes in. Um, but you can't let it turn to that. Arguing with someone is never going to win them over for Jesus, okay? You have to avoid that at all costs. Now, some of these issues that you aren't going to want to let the conversation go to, I mean, and there's a million of them, but there are some issues that can separate some people on the left from some people on the right at times. Things like, oh, big government, big taxes versus small government, small taxes, or, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, prayer in school, um, the Constitution, like the Second Amendment, right to bear arms, you know, and probably the biggest one that's most dividing is going to be abortion. All right? You're not here to talk about issues. You're here to talk about Jesus. So you don't want to let the conversation go to that. That's all. Now, it's going to take some explaining for me to get this to you. So if you wait for me around the other side, you'll get what I'm getting at now. So let's, let's just say that hypothetically, you're passionate about abortion. And you're talking to someone who's passionate about abortion, but from the other viewpoint. All right? Now, it's going to be very important that you don't hear what I'm not saying here, okay? I'm not talking about in your everyday life, how you feel, you know, day to day, your personal beliefs, but I'm talking at this point, when you're alone in the room with this person, as a Christian, it's not your job to save children. As a Christian, it's your job to save those who would harm children. As a Christian, it's not your job to save the Constitution. It's your job to save those who oppose the Constitution. Now, as a voter, you have to vote your conscience, right? You have to vote for those who will protect what you hold dear, whatever that is, you know, any of these issues. And I don't care which side of these issues you're on. That's between you and God. But I'm saying when you're alone in a room with this person, his soul is your focus, not a big argument. Now, in our everyday life, we do anything and everything to protect children. It don't care what it is. Take a bullet, step in front of a bus, anything. But at that moment when you're witnessing to this person, Arguing about birth control or something is not your goal. You know, um, Jesus doesn't call us to win arguments. He calls us to win souls. Okay, now, and I can give you a perfect example of this. A lot of what I have to say today is like, don't do what I did, okay? When I was a, uh, a group two person, really on fire for God, you know, and stuff, not that I'm not, but really on fire for God, <clears throat> I was invited to a house party, and... I got into an argument with a couple people that felt the opposite that I did on some issue. It doesn't matter which one, but, and we really went at it. I mean, we cleared the house. People left. They didn't want to hear it. 
and we went on and on, and I had both barrels loaded, and, and I really let them have it. You know, I had all this, this research I had done, and I was like, this is why I'm right because of this fact, and this is why you're wrong because of this fact, and you can Google this, and you can find out I'm right about this. And you know what they heard? Blah, 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 blah. They weren't interested in the truth or the facts. They were dealing with emotion. They were, they were arguing through, you know, because they're very passionate people. When I left, I felt, you know, I really gave them a lot of good information. I'll bet you they'll be thinking about that for a while. And now looking back, I'm sure that when they left, they thought another jerk Christian trying to cram his religion down our throats. And the really bad part is, is what I did is made it impossible for the next Christian who comes along who wants to witness to him because they're going to have this huge chip on their shoulder now, right? I, I didn't throw them the lifesaver. I took the oar and pushed them away from the boat, you know? <clears throat> and I feel now that what I did is just drive a huge wedge between them and God. God doesn't call us to win arguments. We want to win souls. Now, that's the biggest difference between group two and group three people. See, group three people are mature enough to know what not to say and when not to say it. Right now, I'm about a two and a half. I'm still real passionate, but I've learned more to talk about why I believe what I believe and not why you're wrong. If you keep these things in mind, <clears throat> you'll do much better witnessing. These are the two groups of people that, that you're afraid of. Now I'm not so afraid, you know? I just avoid the things that are going to cause problems. Now, I've told you that if you're in the water, you should get in the boat. And I told you if you're in the boat, you should be throwing the lifesaver. Now I'm going to tell you why. Figuratively speaking, someday all your earthly bodies will be reduced to ashes. And when I say yours, I mean yours, mine's, everybody's. And someday, all your earthly accomplishments will be reduced to dashes. Someday, there's going to be a chunk of granite, and it'll have the year you were born and the year you died. And in between, there's a dash. And that's all you get. That's what the world gives you. Sums up your whole life. And the really bad part is, is after three generations, no one's even going to know what that dash meant. Your kids will know. Your grandkids will know, they'll hear your kids talk about it over supper, but by the time you get to the third generation, no one will know. The only person that knows is God. He knows what your dash meant. And I think that someday we're all going to stand before God. And if he asks, what did you do with my son, what will you have to say? I mean, he'll know because it's on your dash, right? So you can sweat and toil and labor and groan in the sun and after months you can sit back and say, man, I've got the nicest yard in town. Or you can practice and play and play and practice and say, there, of all my friends, I'm the best at whatever, video game, golf, whatever. Or you can decorate and remodel and shop and clean and rearrange and after a period of time, you can kick back and say, there, I've got the nicest decorated house of all my friends. I'll bet you all my girlfriends will hate me for it. Or you can volunteer at a homeless shelter. You could get involved with a local church 
and help with outreach programs. You can walk across the street and tell your neighbor about Jesus. Throw the lifesaver. Be the lifesaver. The point I'm getting at is if all your accomplishments are going to be reduced to a dash and the only person in the universe that knows what your dash meant is God, I suggest you make that dash count for something. A while back, I was on Instagram and I was reading this, this uh, post where there was some Christians arguing, non-Christians and Christians, and they got into this big, you know, heated back and forth. And you could tell by reading that the, that the non-Christians had some experience with church. They had gone to church or whatever, and they were kind of jaded. They'd been burnt. And, of course, they were being pretty venomous, and the Christians were firing right back. This is why you should believe. And there was this huge argument going on. And there was a post, and I thought, this is awesome. I, I took a screenshot of it, and I thought to myself, you know, if we all could consume this and use this in our daily lives, we'd do so much better. So I wanted to read it to you. It says, For all you who are defending God, good intentions, perhaps bad execution. God calls us to be witnesses, not lawyers. Arguing with non-believers rarely wins someone over and generally just angers them. Be a witness. Let your lifestyle speak for itself. Making wise choices and showing love speaks louder than yelling from the rooftop. God doesn't need defending. It's like defending a lion. The lion doesn't need defending. Just open the cage door. For you who deny God, I apologize for the religious person or people who judged you in the past, the ones who couldn't look past the pink hair or the piercings or the tats. They were too wrapped up in man-made religion to see your heart, to get to know you, to learn about your life. Please know that there are zillions of Christians out there that don't label themselves as Baptists, Lutherans, or Catholics, or whatever. They just are people who believe in Jesus, his love, and his teachings, the Bible. They don't have it all figured out, can't explain why 10-day-old babies die and murderers go free. They just believe in a higher power and a reason to try to be kinder, nicer, and more loving than they were, and not be hypocritical. I hope you meet some of these people one day and come to see that believing isn't seeing and believing isn't judging. It's just believing. I'd like to pray for you now. Lord Jesus, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak. Speak these words that you gave me for today. Lord, I pray for all the people that hear my voice today. I pray that some of my words help them. Help them to make a decision for Jesus. Help them, encourage them to throw the lifesaver, to be the lifesaver. Lord, I, I hope that you give people the encouragement to get in the boat. It's a big step. If you're here today and you're still in the water, it says in the Bible that we all fall short of the grace of God. 
It says that the, the wages of sin are death. Jesus is the only way. So if you're here today and you're still in the water and you feel that today is your day to get in the boat, raise your hand, look up at me so that I could see. Today's the day. I see you. Thank you. Today's the day that you need to get in the boat with Jesus. Don't put it off. Lord God, I thank you for the people here today. And for those that raised their hand, you need to admit in your heart that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for you on the the cross. And confess to someone about your decision for Jesus. Seek out one of the pastors after church. Tell them about your decision. I thank you all for being here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all very much. It's been an honor talking to you today.